Hi there. Welcome to episode number eight of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name is Ann Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so excited that you're here. So we're going to talk today about the cycles of growth and the seasons of change. I think it's something that most of us can identify with and can relate to. So we're going to talk about the discomfort of growth. We're going to talk about the cycles of growth, sometimes why change feels so hard for us having a human experience, how you can maybe get curious about things that are changing around you or within you. Um, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, my peach tree, because I think it it actually is a really good metaphor for what happens with change. So so let's start there, actually. And I want to tell you, I'm, I'm just coming off of a trip from Austin down to um, Austin, Texas for a few days, where I was uh, for the Life Coach School Mastermind of 2022. It was fantastic. We had a wonderful time. I got to meet so many life coaches and so many epic uh, people doing epic shit, which you guys know that I probably at this point that I love. Uh, it was so exciting to watch life coaches who have been extraordinarily successful, who are building businesses, who have taken a skill that many of us have honed over many, many years as advanced practice nurses and taking this skill of um, creating a safe space for people, of providing people with the opportunity to change and, and to seek more peace in their lives and more emotional health and resilience and using it for good not only of patients and clients, but also for the greater good of our communities, for society, um, and for themselves, right? Because the reality is when you start a business, you get to be the one who creates a lot of revenue in your business. And to see women in particular, this was a conference mostly attended by women, though not exclusive to women, but to see women sitting up on stage who were uh, discussing being in the two comma club in the club of, in a business generating revenue over a million dollars was phenomenal. And of note, two of them were physicians. And I, I made a silent um, note to myself that I want to be the first nurse who's up there with a million dollar coaching business and coaching practice. So that's in my plans. I don't, how long will it take me to get there? I don't know, three, five, seven years, maybe. Do I exactly know the how of how I'm going to make that happen? No, not at all. And am I up for the challenge and up for the ride? Absolutely, positively, a hundred fucking percent. So, so let's talk about growth because you know you can't get into the two comma club, right? The million dollar revenue of business without being someone who embraces change and who embraces growth. And I think it's interesting because this is a topic that so many of us experience on a day-to-day -day basis because of the conversations that we have as advanced practice nurses with our patients, right? We, every day, if you see 30 patients in a day, you literally have done 30 assessments and you've created 30 plans for patients. You've told them the change that you have offered to them as an, as an opportunity, right? For them to seek some sort of a decrease in their suffering or for them to find some improvement in their health. And so we are comfortable giving out recommendations for change. And I wonder, and I don't know, maybe it's just me. I don't think so, but maybe it is. I wonder if, you know, we can do change as much as we dish it out. Cause I mean, I'm going to tell you something. It's hard for me and I'm going to be honest. And I last week even got a, a comment or an, in a conversation with a client about how 
she said something to the likes of, I make it look easy. And I thought, well, that's interesting because I'll tell you on the inside, externally, it may look easily and easy. And on the inside, sometimes it feels like it's an ab- absolute hurricane of uh, emotions. It is, um, there's, you know, emotional upset. And, and that I think is so true of most of us, right? Most of us tend to keep some of those emotions in rather than putting them forward for our patients to see, maybe for our children to see, right? We keep our shit together in order to maintain that illusion, right? Of us being these perfect humans who we, we got it together. We're good. Right. Uh, and, and some of us do it right to stay safe at work or to stay safe in a situation wherever we are. Some of us are, have gotten better about processing and this understanding that if you go in and have, you know, an unanticipated outcome with a patient that it may bring up some emotions, you may not actually in that moment be able to deal with them, right? Because you may have bigger fish to fry at that point. If somebody's bleeding, I don't have the luxury of losing my shit on a bleeding, uh, on a patient with an obstetric hemorrhage, right? I just got to get to work. So, so we are as humans designed to change. We are constantly changing every moment of every day on a cellular level. And what's so interesting is that when faced with change, it can feel so fucking hard. Okay. So let's just notice that. Let's just first start out there and say, this is totally normal, right? So everything I'm going to talk about today, and I'm going to be a completely a thousand percent transparent with you but everything that we're going to talk about today is so normal. And I, I want to make sure that we normalize how, how hard it is to go through change sometimes um, and the cycles of growth and, um, and, and the seasons, right. Uh, that we sometimes find ourselves in, in our lives. So it's normal. Okay. So let's first talk about, you know, change in general. Right. And I, it's kind of like, think of it this way, right. When we talk about change, we have to talk about the cycles of change or the seasons of change. And I think that many of you will relate to this and we can look outside and nature is a great example. We can see that winter eventually turns to spring. We're here in Cleveland. It's almost the middle of April for fuck's sake. And we've got sleet and hail today. You know, I don't understand it. Um, And right. We know that at some point in Cleveland, Ohio, we will likely see warmer days. We will see temperatures in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, once it spring turns into summer, we know we'll get there at some point. But for right now, we are still in what it feels like, you know, that the depths of change between winter and spring. And but we know that it's coming. We know that at some point we will be blessed with gorgeous evenings in the summer and maybe we'll have cocktails around a fire pit and maybe we'll have friends over and outdoors on the back deck. We know that it's coming. Um, but right, but nature is a great reminder that despite the fact that we may or may not want spring and summer to come, and I always think it's interesting, some people who love spring, some people who hate spring, right? Everybody's got their own opinion of it, but But when we look at the seasons, despite the fact that we may or may not want them to come, they come because that's how nature goes, right? That's exactly how nature rolls, so to speak. So we know too that, um, right, just as much as winter turns into spring and spring into summer, summer into fall, we know that the leaves fall. We know that in winter, all of our 
um, plants that are thriving in our gardens that are, you know, uh, giving off peppers and strawberries and, and uh, providing us maybe with cucumbers in the summer that during the winter, they're shriveled up and totally dead. All of our herb gardens, they're gone, not quite gone, but they're definitely in a mode of hibernation. And, you know, we don't look at those and say, oh gosh, <laughs> that mint plant, it's doomed. Holy moly. It's never coming back. No, if you've ever grown mint, you know that that mint doesn't care where it is growing. It just knows that in spring it begins to sprout and in summer it thrives. And God forbid you water it because it will literally, you know, go gangbusters on you and grow. Remember with your mint, you always put it in a pod, even if you're going to plant it in the ground. Make sure that you carve out and dig out area for a pot to go in the ground. Same thing with squash, because why? We know that these plants just thrive and they become, in essence, almost like a weed. So um, in order to maintain, you know, some border to it and some contained growth on it, we can do that by putting, right, digging out the soil, putting in a pot, and then filling the pot with with the mint so that it doesn't overtake everything else. But we know, right, that when winter comes along, that mint plant will look like hell. It will just be shriveled up and uh, and it, it it won't look like anything of much. We'll pass by it a million times as maybe we walk through the backyard. But sure enough, spring comes again and all of a sudden we can start to see those small blossoms of growth. The leaves start to grow. And then by midsummer, you know, we're having mojitos and uh, and using the mint for, you know, concoction of herbs and pastes and, and, and ways to flavor some of the foods that we eat and the cocktails that we drink. I particularly like a little bit of fresh mint in my uh, gin lemonades in the summer. So it's interesting, right? And, and my peach tree is a great example of this, right? I've got a peach tree in the backyard. This thing in the middle of winter looks like it's absolutely barren and totally dead to the world. And it kind of is, right? It's gone into that hibernation phase, but sure enough comes spring, sure enough comes summer. We start to see that the buds grow. This is a tree that flowers. Once it flowers, then all of a sudden we start to see that it bears fruit. So we know that there's a season there, right? I don't look at the peach tree in December and I'm like, God, this peach tree, what a lazy piece of shit. It's not giving me fruit in December. No, like we look at the peach tree and we're like, no. The, peach, the peaches aren't going to come until probably about July. And it really does depend on the amount of humidity that we see in our you know, late spring and early summer, right? And it also depends on whether or not we get a late frost, right? Whether or not I'm going to have a lot of peaches, right? There are a lot of factors that go into whether or not I'm going to have peaches that are ripe and juicy and falling off the vine around July, right? In order to make a peach pie. But we know that those peaches, they may come in July, but they're sure as hell not coming in December. They're not coming in November. They're not coming in February. You know, that tree is totally kind of shut down and experiencing its winter, right? It's, uh, it's rebuilding phase, so to speak. So if we can look and see the cycles of growth in nature, then why is it any different for us as humans, right? And it's usually because for two reasons. Number one is that there's discomfort associated with change very often first that that starts in our minds with our thoughts, um, right? And if you've ever thought of, um, you know, the realities around change, I mean, think of organizations when they go through change, there is an entire discipline. You can go and get a master's degree in change management, right? You could be someone who actually sits in, who goes and gets a master's of organizational development and sits through class upon class of change management and cotton learns all about Cotter and learns about the steps of change management. And we also know that we have a 11 
um, billion dollar coaching industry that exists right now because, right, coaches who help in essence people with change, right? Um, you know, whether it's emotional health change, whether it's um, changing jobs, right? We know that we have an entire industry that's dedicated to change. Uh, consulting is a similar uh, conversation. So we know that it's hard to change. And we know that, you know, even if we look more within and maybe you look back onto your experience and think of the first time maybe that you put in an IV or maybe the first time you inserted an IUD or maybe the first time you 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 did an I and D, right? All of these, all of these I procedures. Um, maybe you can think back to that. I know as a starting nurse, I mean, I've I've told the story many a time. I know as a starting nurse, I struggled with IVs. I, we we put 16s on everybody who came in through L and D. And it was so hard. Oh, it was so hard to get those 16s in until it wasn't, right? You guys know this. It's the same thing. I and it was the same thing with managing shoulder dystocias. It was the same thing with managing obstetric uh, hemorrhages. Right? It's hard at the beginning because you're like, "Oh no, this sucks. I suck. I don't know what I'm doing." Right? All those thoughts come up, um, and then we get it. And then one day you're like, "Oh yeah, I know how to put in an IED. No problem. I know how to put in an explant. No, but no, yeah, come on, schedule them in. Let's go. I'll take care of it." Right. And so we know that there's this discomfort, right? Because to become the person who can comfortably place an IUD requires that you are going to have to go through some suckiness of change to get there. You're going to have to fail along the way. You're going to have to become the person who doesn't give up, even if you've done a hundred IVs and they've all blown. And you're like, God, I'm going to have to quit. That's exactly how it was when I was a new nurse. I was like, I'm never going to be able to make it as a nurse. Never because I can't get these DMIVs in, right? Was that true? No. Did I get them eventually? Yes. Did I need some support from my you know, mentors and from my colleagues and, um, and from my, uh, one of my anesthesia colleagues? Yes, absolutely. hundred percent. Did I make it happen? Yeah. Was it hard as hell? Yes. Did I want to quit? hundred percent. Like multiple times I thought about quitting, came home, cried to my husband. I'll never forget this actually as a side note. <laughs> he said to me, and like even the best baseball players only bat 500. And if you don't play baseball, that may not mean much to you. But the reality is, right, to bat, right, they take the scores and stats of baseball players who go up to the, the plate, right, to actually and have an at-bat experience. And then they measure how many times do they actually make contact with the ball, how many times do they actually score a run, right? A lot of players actually don't um, have an, a batting average above 500. That means that one out of two times they miss the damn ball. These people get paid like millions of dollars sometimes, multiple millions of dollars for God's sakes. And they miss them all and they're still employed and they keep getting out there, right? Like, so to be the nurse who misses an IV once in a while or who one out of two times misses it, is that what we want down the road? No, of course we want to get better. And of course we want our averages to go up. Maybe we, we desire a 10% you know, fail rate and a 90% success rate on IV insertion, maybe for our IUDs, right? We want to make sure that 99% of the time we are doing that procedure right. And, you know, the reality is that it's going to take us a handful of fails to get there. And it's just a normal part of, um, of how, it, how we become the person who is proficient, competent at putting in the IV, putting in the IUD. Um, 
So that's the first part, right? There's just a discomfort of growth, right? That that changes this as we approach change. Um, and maybe even, I, I sometimes even think back to the days of being on paper and going from paper into an electronic medical record and having to navigate the change of figuring out where to chart and figuring out how to, you know, move things around so that you, you know, made sure that you were doing the same type of charting in the EMR that you were doing on paper and, and then having to maybe go and have conversations with the team and say, oh, you know, I, you guys didn't include this or where do I find this and having, right. Like that whole process, gosh, oh, I mean, you can pay me to like implement an EMR again because there's this discomfort with growth and it's normal. There's something also I think that's interesting when we start to talk about change because there's a natural element of, you know, just the um, the realities of, let's just say, you know, even if I get in my car and I drive my car from my home to the grocery store, right, there's change there, right? I'm physically changing locations. And, um, and so, and again, right, at some point that wasn't easy for me. At some point as a new driver, I was like, oh God, I got to get on the road. Oh God, I, got, I may have to take the highway. Ooh, right. But what's also interesting is that there's the physical change that occurs, right? Let's take the grocery store example. I start at my house. I end up at the grocery store. There's a physical change part of that, right? And that's kind of the, the baseline, right? But then there's this other whole category, which is that we make change hard, right? Because they're driving to the grocery store, which is the act of driving, getting in the car, moving it. And then there's all of our thoughts about it. Right. If I'm the person who can't get on the highway because I don't want to, you know, drive on the highway or am I scared to get on the highway, you know, I can make that mean something about me. I can mean it, make it mean that I'm not willing to learn or that, you know, I'm just a scaredy cat because I don't want to get on the highway. Right. We make it mean, we make it, it seem like change isn't a normal part of life. Like, oh my God, this is so terrifying. We're not meant to do this. Right. Like, we can go into all sorts of, tears and, you know, brain drama and, you know, drama everywhere, right? Like if you've ever been the person who struggled with something and you got to the point where you just like cried your eyes out, this is exactly what I did when I was a a new nurse with these IVs. I was like, oh my God, I'm terrible. Cry, 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 right? Like, right. And what did I make that mean about me? I made it mean that I was a terrible nurse, that I wasn't ever fit to be actually to be a nurse, Right. I, I made it mean that, you know, I was never going to become the nurse who was really good at putting in an IV on the fly. And and I think what what is so hard about that is that right, when I tell myself, this is hard, I can't do this, I'm never going to be the 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 nurse who can be successful at IV placement, it feels terrible. I just feel like totally incompetent. And, you know, you want to talk about when the imposter syndrome kicks in, like right here when you're like, I wasn't even meant to do this. I don't know what I, what I, why I even thought I could do this. Right. We go into this whole spin cycle of brain bullshit and right. And all of a sudden it's like, it's that all that consternation and the frustration and the, 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 those feelings of incompetency and what happens, you know, you're sitting out in your car crying. Like that's what I did. Right? You come home to your partner and you're like, I'm just never going to be a nurse. Oh my God. And your partner's like, Jesus, God almighty, get it together. 
<laughs> oh, praise the Lord for good partners. I don't know if you have one. I hope you do. I hope you have someone in your life you can come to and talk to and call up when shit hits the fan or one is particularly challenging for you. And if you don't go out and find somebody, maybe it's your partner, maybe it's your bestie, maybe it's your work wife, your work partner, whoever, go out and find yourself somebody so that you have an opportunity to be supported in that way. Because goodness gracious, I don't know if I would be where I was without the number of people in my life who have called me on my bullshit so many times. Okay. Like, let's just be clear. So, um, and then, you know, here's the other thing, right? It's all about very often expectations. So think about it this way. If I'm the nurse and I'm really struggling with putting the IV in, and then I'm like, wait a minute, you know, if I had to stop and think about it and get curious, then I would probably have to acknowledge that I had an underlying expectation or belief system about what I should be able to do as a new nurse. I should be able to be the new nurse who just comes in, you know, grabs a catheter and boom, bing, bing, boom, done. IV's in, we're ready to go. Let's roll, right? Like I, I had this expectation that off the bat, I should be able to put in an IV. It shouldn't take me a hundred sticks or not that it did, but it shouldn't take me, right? This much effort. It should be easy. And this is what I hear with all my business coaching clients. This is what I hear, you know, very often. And I hear from them and I hear it inside my own brain. Why is it so hard? It should be easy. No, it shouldn't. You just had an expectation though, that it should be. And so now, because your expectation is different than what in reality you are experiencing, it's creating a lot of suffering for you. And that's the reason that you're in this like terrible um, a terrible moment of um, brain drama and angst and frustration and imposter syndrome, right? So just consider that when you are um, when you are approaching change, when you are considering, you know, why it feels so hard and why the discomfort is so great. Well, you know, I think there's a, a couple of things that you can ask yourself in the midst of that. And one of them is, what expectations did I have of how this should have gone? What expectations did I have about how I should have shown up? What, what, what am I telling myself that should have been different than it in reality is? Right? Because the reality is, as all of us know, there's uncertainty with growth and with change. And for those of us who are willing to embrace the uncertainty, right? If I, if I pick up the catheter to go and insert an IV, I actually don't know if I'm going to get the IV in the vein. I don't. I mean, if I get good enough, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get the damn thing in, right? We're gonna, I'm going to have IV access in you know, less than a minute. But I don't know for sure. I have to embrace that uncertainty to say, all right, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get it, but I might not. And if I don't, I'll figure it out, right? So if we are able to become curious, we can then start to unravel, why does this feel so hard, right? Like we can ask ourselves, am I looking at this from the expectation or from the standpoint that I had an expectation about it? Am I making it mean something about me? right? Like what if we just said change is hard? Yeah, that's it. Change is hard. Accept it. 
move on, right? Or am I making it mean like, oh my gosh, this is so hard to learn to put an IV in. And because of that, I'm never going to be a, a, a good nurse, right? I'm never going to be the nurse who is able to go up the clinical ladder. I'm never going to be able to, if I can't get an IV in, I'm never going to go to midwifery school. I mean, can you imagine if that was the thought that I had? I'm never going to be able to get to the midwifery school, right? And how devastating that could feel, right? Or I could just look at it and be like, oh yeah, I didn't get the IV in. Oh, well, I tried. I'm going to try better next time. I'm going to look at it, see what I did well, what I didn't do well. And I'm going to figure out, you know, what I would do differently next time. And in the meantime, I'm going to go talk to one of my mentors and then I'm going to go watch another nurse put an IV in. And I'm going to go see if maybe the anesthesiologist has any tips for me. And right. Like, what if we just didn't make it mean anything about us? What if we just accepted that it was just a normal part of the journey that we're on the journey of becoming a nurse and it's just kind of a normal part. Nothing's gone wrong here. What if we just accepted the uncertainty? I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to try my hardest, right? Even with IUDs, right? I've inserted hundreds, I don't know, thousands of IUDs at this point in my career, right? And the reality is every time I do it, I don't know that it's going to end up in the uterus. I'm pretty sure it's going to, right? 99% sure, right? But I don't know that it will. But I have to be willing to to try, attempt the procedure, I can't just be like, oh my God, I don't know. I'm never going to be able to do it again, right? I could, I could. And what would happen? I could just leave the profession, become a, a or tell the scheduler, like I'm not doing IUDs. But is that what I really want? Like, do I want to be the midwife who doesn't do IUDs because they're hard? No. Because what am I going to do? Then I can't look at shoulder dystocias and be like, oh, I'm not going to do a shoulder dystocia when it rolls in. No, we train for hard. We embrace hard. We just don't give ourselves enough credit for it. And that's where the opportunity is. So, so if change is upon you, just as it is, like the seasons here in Cleveland, we hope, here are some questions that I think would be useful if you wanted to ask yourself about change and examine whether or not your lens of change and kind of how you're looking at it is supportive to you, right? Because at the end of the day, the real question is not whether or not you sit in your, cry, in your car and cry about whether or not you got the IUD in or the IV or the IND, whichever eye procedure you want. But the real question is, um, you know, is what you do and what you think serving you? Because there are some people who are listening today who say, you know what? I was the nurse who cried. I was the nurse who sat in my car and thought she was never going to go back to clinic because, you know, whatever happened with the patient happened and it was terrible, (laughs) but I needed terrible. I needed to have that experience because, you know, I just knew that I was never going to let that happen again to the best of my ability. Right. Some of us are like, no, like I needed to go through all of those. Some of us look at it and say, you know, sometimes when I'm sitting in the car and I'm crying and make it mean that I'm a terrible human and I'm never going to get to, you know, become the nurse that I want to become, right? Sometimes that doesn't serve us. And you know, you, you know, like you're the holder of the keys here, right? In terms of you are the one who knows best, which camp you sit in, whether or not you use adversity and growth and change to your benefit or whether or not you allow it as an opportunity to beat yourself up to tell yourself you're a piece of shit, to tell yourself that, you know, 
you don't know what you're doing and to create a lot of consternation in your life. You know which camp you're in. I mean, I know which camp I'm in. And when I go through change, I beat the shit out of myself. And it's something I'm working on every day. I'm becoming a person who is so much kinder to herself in the light of change, right? But you get to choose. So, so if you wanted to get curious, these are some things that you can consider. How do I feel when I grow? How do I feel about growth in general? Am I willing to grow? Is there something on the other side of growth that could be supportive to me? Is this kind of growth worth it? Right? Because you guys know one of my favorite sayings is, is the juice worth the squeeze? Right? And, and the reality is, at the end of the day, you've got to be the person who says, is the juice worth the squeeze on this you know, element of change? right? When I was a midwife, the juice was worth the squeeze to become proficient and confident in my ability to manage a shoulder dystocia, right? For some of us, it's not the case. For some of us, we're like, no, the juice is not worth the squeeze on me being able to remove an explan. So take it off my damn schedule. I'm never doing them again, <laughs> right? I will remind you though, we get a lot of RVUs for an removal. And the reality is if you can get good at it, you know, boom, you can pop them out in like no time at all. Okay. Right. When you get good at them, you got some good techniques Man, you can pop those things out and they're so fun. Right. Like look at it. Right. If you do next one on removals and you're like, my next one on removals are not fun. What is she talking about? Think about it. Right. Like there's an opportunity. If you're willing to get curious, you're willing to kind of look at some of your thinking, your mindset around next one, you could become the person who says, Next one on removals are the best fucking thing ever. Sign me up. I'll do 20 of them. But you got to get curious first. So here's some more questions. Do I embrace growth? Do I go for growth? Do I go for change? Am I scared of change? Why? What do I make growth and change mean about me? When I change, do I build a support team around me so that when it gets hard and I struggle, that I have somebody to reach out to? If not, why? Do I need to add a few people onto that team? Have I reached out to that team recently? Do I make myself suffer unnecessarily when I have expectations? That's a yes. I'm just going to like give you the answer to that one (laughs) because that one is a yes. Anytime you have expectations, you will always cause more suffering, right? Byron Katie says this beautifully. I use this all the time with clients, right? That um, anytime you fight with reality, you are always causing more suffering, right? So how, how often do I cause suffering in my own life? Because I have an expectation of how that change should have gone, of how easy it should have been for me to become the nurse who was really good at next one on removal, or me to become the uh, nurse who was really fantastic at IV placement. And how often do I fight with reality of what is and tell myself, but it should be different, but I should have been better, but this should have been easier, but he shouldn't have said that, but he should have been more supportive to me, right? Like how often am I fighting with reality of what is? It's always a really good question. So. I think I've given you some food for thought here today, which is that there's 
there's a lot of things that we can look at with growth and the seasons of growth or the cycles of growth, right? We can look at the, um, how the seasons tend to remind us as a very prominent display of what happens every day and every, uh, and every season and what change brings us. We know too, that we can't expect a peach tree to start blooming peaches in the middle of the goddamn winter. No, I mean, we could, I just don't think it's worth it. Right. I don't think that serves you. Um, unless you're in Florida, somebody's going to be like, but I'm in Florida Anne, and we grow peaches all damn year long. Great. Okay, fine. You know, I get it. But for the most of us who are in a, an environment with seasonal change and even Florida, you know, sometimes in late January, they are struggling because they get a heavy frost on those oranges and they are, they've got an entire industry of oranges in Florida that are at jeopardy because of a frost, right? Like the farmers can't control that. Right. So we know that there's, there's the, uh, right. The cycle of growth, the cycle, the seasons of change. And we know that just based on what we can observe in nature also happens within us too. We may not want to realize it and we may not want to accept it, but we can certainly see that there are patterns in nature that also occur within us. We also know that sometimes we make change hard, right? Sometimes we make it mean something about us. Sometimes we, we, we won't accept, right? The uncertainty that is associated very often with growth. Sometimes we know that it's hard to change in general, right? Even if we're, you know, even if we're going to this grocery store, I got to get in the car to physically move my body. I got to get in the car, gotta go to the grocery store, right? And then we know that too, we can add on an additional layer of um, discomfort because of some of our thoughts and whether or not we beat ourselves up, whether or not we don't embrace change and don't have the support team around us when we go through change and how much suffering we cause. So So I hope that was useful to you today. You know, every time we talk about something on this podcast, this is often content that comes out of the conversations that I have every day with clients and the work that we do in Women Who Cultivate. And as you may or may not know, um, I am a life coach and a business coach for advanced practice nurses who want to live the good life. And very often... One of the first things that we do in order to help you stop feeling exhausted today and start feeling empowered is to start talking about things like the discomfort of change and starting to ask ourselves some really good questions about whether or not we're making it harder than it needs to be and what we can do about it to improve our experience and to decrease, you know, the suffering that sometimes we unnecessarily put on ourselves. So if that is work that you would like to embrace, I welcome you to come and check us out. You can find more information on my website at www.anconcleecnm.com. And I will see you all next time. Take care.